how do I respond to change in a biblical way? I don't know about you, but it's been a year of change. Uh, I, I know, I think for most of us, two years ago, we kind of faced as a nation something that we've never had to deal with before, this thing called COVID, right? And uh, everything changed. You know, churches across America closed their doors, and then some of them gradually opened back up, and then some of the churches struggled to stay open because so many people left, and some people became homebodies, and then a lot of people lost a lot of loved ones and so forth. And it just seems like we're an ever-evolving state of change all around us, right? And there are times when, I don't know about you, but when I was first starting out in ministry uh, almost 30 years ago now, 30 years, you know, this summer, 30 years ago, and I remember thinking, um, I didn't want to be put in a box. I want to try new things. I want to see what else is out there. I want to try different philosophies of ministry, still staying true to the Word. But, you know, I was like, yeah, change, yeah, let's see what happens with it. Now I find myself as I'm getting older, it's like, leave it alone. If it's not broke, don't touch it. I mean, churches all across the Rochester are painting their auditorium solid black and having lights on the stage for worship. It's like, no, I want the light because I can't see it as my eyes are getting worse. Anybody else? I mean, I like the light, right? You know, And you know, the older I get, I find myself not liking change as much as I did when I was younger. And I used to, you know, that group of people who don't like change, I just were a bunch of old fogies that just need to like get a life and, you know, go with the flow a little bit. Now I'm catching myself drifting into that lane. And, uh, and, uh, and I like, you know, the way things are, you know, and if, you know, and like I tell my wife all the time, if I didn't want that thing there, I want to put it there. Leave it there because now you're changing where you put it and I can't find it. You know, leave it alone, right? So we have these things that, you know, and trust me, she, as she says all the time, if I didn't put it away, you wouldn't know where anything was. Which is probably very true, but I still want to leave it alone because that's where I put it and I know where it's at. But, you know, change is a hard thing to deal with from time to time, isn't it? You know, um, how many of you believe that this year is going to be yet another year of change? Even if you don't expect it, you know it's going to happen, right? And uh, I know, and I'm praying that God will do some great things in our midst this year and maybe even through some areas of change. And uh, I'm excited about what he's done this last year, but I'm more excited about what I think the potential of what God is doing for this new year. And that's going to require some change. It's going to require me getting out of my comfort zone, and it's even going to make me have to respond to some things that I didn't choose, but God says, I want you to go through it, right? And so we're going to have to deal with that. But I know that throughout this last year, uh, many of my friends have gone through some significant areas of change in this past year. Um, just in the last year, I've lost three close friends that were my age. And I think to myself, wow. So I remember I had you praying for my friend Jeremy Smith. You know, kind of COVID was gotten through, and then all of a sudden in the middle of it, he seems to be doing great, and all of a sudden he just dies. Nobody expected that. But here is his wife and five kids now without a father because of this change that has impacted their family, right? And then my other friend, um, uh, Kevin Sisko, I've been asking you to pray for him. A couple months ago, I mean, I mean, here he is, 50 years old, my age. I grew up with him. We spent each other, you know, as a kid growing up in grade school, um, we used to spend, you know, nights at each other's house. We used to go BMX riding. I know I'd hard to believe the guy this big used to ride a BMX bike and do freestyling. It's crazy. X Games had nothing on us, I'm just saying. We jumped through fire. We were, we were crazy. We were nuts. But we used to do that stuff. We were one of my closest friends growing up. And at 50 years old, comes home, his hips are sore. Two weeks later, finds out he's got leukemia. Six months later, he's gone. 
I mean, at 51 years old, passes away. Who does that? It just Who gets leukemia that late in life, right? Nobody expects that. And then two weeks ago, I have a friend that I went through four years of Bible college with. He's just out walking his dog. I think it was on, was it on December 29th. He's just out walking his dog, hit and run. Nailed him. They, they, uh, there was a witness that saw the accident. He didn't see who did it, but saw the accident. Got him to the hospital. He survived in a coma for about a week and then passed. These are three families in the last year that have had significant change come into their lives. And I know some of you have lost lost your loved ones, a parent, a a child, a, a close relative. And it's change that you didn't expect, change that you didn't desire, change that you wouldn't have chosen. But how do you deal with it? I know that some of you have lost your jobs or changed jobs. That's a change. That's huge. And you think, once again, when you're young, you try anything new. You try anything, you're ambitious, you go for it. You know, you got nothing to lose. You're going to give it your all. You're going to step out and just try something different, something out of the norm. But then all of a sudden, you've been in your job for 15, 17, 20, 25 years, and all of a sudden the company's downsizing. And you've got to start meeting new people. That's hard. How many enjoy just getting to learn a new process? You don't know any of the system. You don't know who the supervisor are. You don't know what the unwritten rules of the organization are, the, the company that you've chosen to work with. It's hard, isn't it? It's change that you didn't sign up for, possibly. And then here's one of the most difficult things, I think, one of the most difficult areas of change I think some of us experience in, in a given year. Some of you lose your joy. You lose your joy. Circumstances have robbed you, and you let it happen. You know, I've said many times, and you, you know deep in your heart that this is the truth, right? There are things I can't control, but I have to control how I respond to them, right? There are things that rob me of my happiness, but they shouldn't rob me of my joy. My joy is found in Jesus, not in whether or not things go my way day by day, right? But yet, it's hard, isn't it? Life is hard. And anyone that says it's not, they're not being honest, really, because life is difficult, and there's so many things that happen in a given year, in a given month, in a given week, and sometimes even in a given day that are like, wow, how do I deal with this? Well, as I was thinking about this, and as my, the, the third of my fr- close friends that I grew up with, that I went to college with, passed away, I thought, wow, this has changed, and now we've got another family of five that's going to have to learn how to deal with it. Now, I know God's going to be faithful, right? We look back and we say, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Then you look back six months, a year from now, and say, man, God did it. You can't plan it. You can't figure it out. You can't put it on paper, but God somehow gets you through it, right? And so these are areas of, like, how do I deal with it? What are some mindsets? I don't know you, but um, let me just begin by giving you four things that never change concerning our great God. Uh, number one, and I think if you're, if you're one to, that's accustomed to worry or to fear or to be anxious or to just say, oh, I'm not sure what to do, just consider these four things, and then we're going to look at some other verses that go along with it. And we're going to kind of jump around a little bit today, but the guys will, I'm sure, put it up there on the screen. But let me just give you four truths concerning our great God, things that never change. Number one, God himself never changes. Isn't that awesome? That's why he says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And somehow in our minds we get this idea that maybe that this God that we read about in the Old Testament who turned, you know, this... The, who set this bush on fire, but it, it wasn't consumed, or who told the you know 
you know, name it, to jump into the, to the muddy water and seven times and it'll come out clean and all these miraculous things that he did in the Old Testament. That was a different God than what we serve today. No, it's not. It's the same God. He may manifest himself in many different ways and he may not be doing the same miracles that he did then, but we serve the same exact God, right? So we don't have to lose heart. We don't have to lose faith. We don't have to worry about whether or not God has gone somewhere. He's not. He's, staying, he's the same God. He's there yesterday, today, and forever. And not only that, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Isn't that assuring? That we serve a God that the principles that He gave us to follow Him and to know Him and to walk with Him have not changed. And so the same God that we can count on to get us through the little things of life is the same God that will help us through the big things of life. And we talked about this last week at Men's Bible Study. Sometimes, you know, God says He gives us in His Word, and He says He's given every one of us a measure of faith. But how does that faith grow? We exercise it. You don't know how you're going to respond in faith until it's put to the test. And sometimes the greatest test comes through the change that God orchestrates in our life. And you say, well, does He orchestrate it? He allows it. If He didn't want us to have it, He won't go through it, right? Because He's a sovereign God we'll look at later. But He's the same God. And He doesn't change. And the principles that He gave us in His Word hundreds of years ago are still true today. Amen? Number two, God's purposes never change. The very purpose for which God sent His Son Jesus Christ into this world has not changed. Think about this. In John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You know, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what trial God allows in my life. It doesn't matter what difficulty I may face, what heartache situation I may be going through. God's purposes has not changed. And God will use every situation that He allows in my life for His own glory if we let Him. That's the truth. I may be going through a difficult time financially. I may be going through a difficult time with my health. I may be going through a difficult time with relationships. But God's purposes still hasn't changed. And God still is doing everything He does for us to follow Him through the purposes that He set forth through His Son, Jesus. It's only when we start making all these difficulties and these trials and these situations about me, myself, and I that things get out of kilter. So even in the midst of the struggle and the trial and the difficult situation, I need to be about His purposes, not my own. Is that true? So if my focus is on myself, it can't be on Him. And so His purposes hasn't changed. And one of the purposes for which He came was that the world might be saved. And not only that, in Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10, I love this. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. God says, I am going to do my pleasure. You might be going through one of the most difficult trials of your life. You may be going through something that you never chose. You may be going through something that you would never pick again if you had the opportunity not to pick it. And God says, I'm still going to do my pleasure. Think about that. None of us are so important that God says, wait, <laughs> I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to put my agenda aside just for you. Because I know that is so huge. No, God is still about His agenda. He loves us. He cares for us. He'll continue to be there for us. But our little circumstance doesn't change the great agenda of God. He is here to see the world saved, and He is here to do His own pleasure. And it's only when we get those things mixed up and out of, out of order that life really becomes chaotic. 
Let me give you a third thing. Number three, God's presence never changes. Think about that. No matter what I'm going through, all these difficult things, this, the, the difficult trials of life, the situations that I would not choose, He says, I am still with you. My presence is with you. How do I know that? In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, that we looked at last week about having a prosperous and successful year by keeping our eyes and our focus and our meditation on God, right? So he says in Joshua 1, 9, just as a reminder, he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. Where? Wherever you go. I mean, God's Word is so packed with this truth, with this promise. It's amazing. Psalm 139 says, no matter where you can be on this earth, he says what? I am there. Think about that. That he's there with you. That he's always there. And because of that, Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. We can have courage and be strong because he is with us. We're not going through these difficult trials alone. We're not going through the difficult, the, 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 all the hard things of life by ourselves. He's there for us. He's there with us. So he says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. God's Word says, let me ask a question. Would God tell us to do something if we are already doing it? Probably not. And, and the fact that He tells us to do something probably presupposes the fact that we're busy doing it. So when He says, don't be anxious, there's a presupposition that maybe some of us are being anxious. Stop! That's what he's saying. It's, a, it's, a, it's an imperative, active. He says, stop doing it. Why? Because our nature is that we are, we are prone to be anxious. We're prone to be worried. We're prone to get upset and get, to get frustrated. Or maybe even get even when the thing's not going the way I thought it was going because so-and-so did this and now this is the chain reaction and I'm going to make it right and I'm going to get even. God says, wait a minute, stop. Stop. Be of good courage. Be strong. Have confidence. I'm with you during this. I've said it a hundred times, and maybe maybe one day I'll get it myself. Because I, I, I keep saying it because I forget. God did not wake up this morning, scratch his head, and say, well, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> right? He knows all things, right? Amen? Sometimes we need that reminder. What we're about to face tomorrow morning, God knows that we will. The question is, are we going to respond the way He wants us to respond to it? Are we going to take Him at His word? But He says to be strong, to be of good courage, to not be afraid, to not be dismayed. For He goes, I am with you. And then Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says this, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I am not going anywhere. Dave used a good illustration this morning. When you're lost in the woods and you see that light on a cabin up the road, what do you do? You go towards the light because you know there's safety there. But if you see the light on the cabin out in the woods and it's starting to get dark, are you going to turn around and go this way when the cabin and the light's that way? No. Why? Because you're going to get lost and you're going to stay lost. The reality is God's not the one that moves. He says, if you draw nigh unto me, what? I will draw nigh unto you. Is that not a fundamental principle of Scripture? Does he not say that over and over and over again? He says, listen, the bottom line is, and I've used this before and I'll use it again. If I'm on the second floor and my wife's in the basement, I can't talk like I'm talking to you right now. 
Why? She's not going to hear. I can yell and scream, and there's a good chance that she's still not going to hear. But if I move from my spot and go down to meet her where she's at, guess what? We can have that conversation, and she can hear me. It's no different with God. You know, sometimes we think, oh, God is so distant. God's where he's always been. He's right there. But when we purposely turn away to do our own thing, to fulfill our own desires, to walk in our own direction, of course we're not going to have that close fellowship. And God's, we're going to struggle with hearing God's voice. But here's the thing. John 10 reminds us over and over again. He says, my sheep know me and they know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. Isn't that amazing? God says, if you're really my child though, if you're really my child, you'll listen to my voice. And you're not going to listen to the voice of strangers. So that's a reminder. It's 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 just, hey, come back to where you're at. Come back to where you need to be. I'm still here. Over and over. But God's presence never changed. So it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It can be the most difficult thing on the face of this earth. It can be, once again, a financial struggle, a health struggle, a relationship struggle. It doesn't matter. God says, I'm still here for you if you're willing to look to me, if you're willing to draw near. Number four, God's word never changes. Do you realize that? Isn't that amazing? Let me give you two verses. Number one, Psalm 119.89 says, For o, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God says, my word is not going anywhere. My word is going to be sure. And if you want something that's going to change, anchor, to, anchor it to this world. Because everything we know in this world keeps changing. Everything keeps changing. Politics keeps changing. I, I'm just telling you, it blows my mind. The things that used to be a... a there used to be a, a chasm, a canyon in between what the Republicans believed and what the Democrats believed and, and even the in, independents. What they, they're almost all the same anymore. It's just a matter of whose personality you like. And I don't like any of them anymore. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I don't trust any party, right? I mean, I, I mean, it's just the way it is. But it's like there's no distinction anymore because there's so much change. Things that even your parents used to like say, I will never accept that. How many can remember when a bottle of water came out in the grocery stores and in the gas station, they were wanting 50 cents for a stinking bottle of water? I said, I will never pay 50 cents for a bottle of water when I can go home and turn it on the water tap. My goodness, these things are like four bucks now. It's like, good Lord. No. But you can make change. Nothing's ever stays the same anymore. Everything's constantly in a continuous state of change. And yet God's Word says that it will not change. It's the same forever and ever. And in Matthew 24, verse 35, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Think about that for a moment. If it was sin 100 years ago in God's Word, guess what? It's still sin today. If God said to do this 100 years ago, guess what it's still right to do today? The same thing He said 100 years ago. Because His Word has not changed. God doesn't fluctuate with the times and the culture that we live in. People say, well, it's in our culture to do this way or to do it that way. No, because this American culture, or when I was in Togo, West Africa, or the Togo, West African culture, or in Indian culture, no matter where I go, the culture does not trump God's culture or kingdom culture. 
Does that make sense? God's culture, Bible culture, what God's Word says trumps everything else. And the reality is His Word does not change. And just because we accept in culture one thing today that was wrong 100 years ago doesn't make it right. Bottom line is our God's Word does not change. His principles do not change. His Word does not change. So, if these things are true, and we have these four reminders that God Himself does not change, His purposes do not change, His present does not change, His Word doesn't change, what kind of perspective does God want us to have as we navigate change in our own lives? And I think God gives us at least two things that we ought to keep. And there are other things that we can apply, obviously. But there are at least a couple things that we ought to consider concerning the change and how we respond to biblically when we're going through those difficult trials that God allows in our lives. Um, you know, none of us wakes up in the morning and say, well, I think it's just a good month to go through a financial struggle. You know? But nobody plans on their car breaking down. Nobody plans on the water heater going out. Nobody plans on getting sick and having to go to the doctor and spending a, an absorbent amount of money on, on that issue. Things happen every day that you and I don't choose. But when they do, how should we respond? I think God gives us a couple things. Number one, um, I think we ought to have an attitude of contentment. Because there are some things in life you can't change. I mean, you can try hard. And trust me, I can remember... As we first got married, uh, we were living in Lewistown, Pennsylvania, and uh, I remember very clearly that second year of teaching junior high, which was a blast, but going in there and thinking, and the principal walks in and he goes, you don't want to sign next year's contract, do you? And I said, nope. (laughs) I already knew what God had for me. I knew that God had called me to ministry, and I knew that his timing wasn't just yet, but I knew that I, wasn't, I was not to stay at that school. I just knew that. So here it is, three months before the end of the school year. And I didn't sign my contract. A month later, remember, now there's still two months left to school. One month later, four businesses in Lewistown shut down. There's like 7,000 employees that were let loose in a small town. I mean, my plan was my plan because you know we all have plans my plan was i was going to finish up the school year i was going to find a job locally for a few months and start asking god to open up the next door of ministry that was my plan sounds sense make it makes sense right finish up the year find a job locally start the search i'm telling you i couldn't find a job flipping burgers i mean seven thousand people let out of work there was nothing available Nothing. But doggone it, you know, I'm going to try to do my plan. I mean, my plan is going to work because I'm, a, I'm not a quitter. Anybody been there? I'm going to somehow make it work because that's what we do. We make it work. And I can remember being so frustrated. Lord, is this why I went through four years of Bible college so I could sit here broke and dead and not having any money and, and, and just frustrated as all get out? Is this why I did this? And I said, what do, you, what do we do? We start blaming God. And when blaming the circumstances. And blaming everybody else because your plan's not going to, according to your will. And I remember going, oh, I was so frustrated. I mean, I was, I mean, I, 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 I mean, working, flipping burgers at Burger King or McDonald's is way beneath me, right? At least I thought so. 
But I couldn't even get a job doing that. I couldn't do it. Everything I was trying was failing. I mean, no doors were opening. And talk about frustrating. You know when it all changed? In all seriousness? After about a year of trying to do it on my own, almost a full year of trying to make things happen and to force doors to open and to beg God to do what I wanted Him to do, and after I kept telling Him He should do this because that's what I deserve, I finally sat down and said, Okay, Lord, whatever you want is fine. I will stay here and do whatever you want as long as you want me to do it. And all of a sudden, the doors started opening up like a floodgate. There was a point where I had to just become content where God had me. And there are times that if you're not content, it'll be obvious. Because you're going to be trying to do things your own way, up in your own flesh, and in your own power, and in your own wisdom, and your own strength. And God says, that doesn't work this way. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. And you know what? The, he didn't say I, I've accepted the, 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 the idea of being content. He said I had to learn it. There are some things that you have to go through. Sometimes you just have to go through it. You ever thought about that? You just got to go through it. There's no shortcuts. There's no, there's no express ways to it. You just got to deal with it. And sometimes that comes with some bumps and bruises. But you have to learn to deal with it. And then he says in 1 Timothy 6, 6, Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. He says if you can learn to be content with being godly, what's that mean? I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I've said for years, man, if one's good, three's better. I apply it to anything you want. I mean, I just, I mean, if one dollar is good, three's better. One burger is good, three's better. I'm just telling you. We have this idea that more is better. More is always better. I mean, I mean, any size coffee for a buck. Why would I get a small one? I can get a large. More is better. McDonald's, right? Though the coffee stinks, but just saying. But we have this idea always that more is better. If I can just get more, if I can just, it's better. But that's not always the case, is it? What's better is to be godly with what you have. And I think God's word is still true. as He says, he that is faithful with little will be faithful with much. And if you can't control the much, do you think God's going to give you more? I don't think you will. That's just my opinion, but I think we need to prove that we can handle what God's already given us before he'll bless us with more. But he says, contentment with godliness. In other words, I'm going to have the mind of Christ with what I've got. I'm going to be a good steward of what He's already given me. I'm going to manage well and steward well what He's already entrusted to me. But if you can't handle what He's already given you, don't expect more. So we need to have an attitude of contentment. And then I think secondly, we need to have an attitude of trust. An attitude of trust. He says in Romans 8, 28 and 29, 
And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let me just stop right there for a moment. We're going to look at the next verse too, but we've, we've been reminded of this over and over again. Do I trust God enough? Do I love him enough to trust him enough to do with, what my, to do with my life whatever he pleases? Do I love him enough to trust him? I don't know about you, but some of us are control freaks. If you don't know if you are, ask your spouse. They'll remind you. You are. I'll just, I'll just answer it. You are. Because you want what you want, when you want it, when, as often as you want it, for as long as you want it. That's all of us. Two hands and a foot. Actually, I can do both hands here. Both of you. I, I just know that I want what I want. Anybody else? And God says no sometimes. Or he says, not yet. Or he says, I need you to do this first. It's like, oh, all these stipulations, all these conditions, all these guidelines. I just want it. Right. And God's saying no. Or not yet. Or not now. He says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The bottom line is we're here for his purpose. And if his purpose is X, Y, Z, then our purpose needs to be X, Y, Z. Period. Do I love him enough to trust him with my life? That's not always easy, folks. But it's what he's called us to. To trust him enough that he's not going to make any mistakes. God makes no mistakes. How many of you believe that? He does not make mistakes. I do. My goodness. I look back at some of the dumb things I've done in my life. I remember after we got married, my father-in-law gave Don and I an old car. That old car, remember the old, old Chevy Impalas? They were like big boats. This thing was huge, man. It was, all, it was, it was, it was, like, it was a grocery getter. I'm telling you, it was ugly. It was embarrassing to be caught in. I mean, it was, it was ugly. The thing ran great, though. It was beautiful. It ran great. Her dad like, basically redid the whole motor. I mean, the thing, I mean, we drove that thing all the way across the country, but the thing was just uglier in sin. It was a Texas car. No rust, but all the paint was faded. Now you'd say that was patina, clear coated. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a good car, except for it was just uglier in sin. I couldn't wait to get rid of that piece of junk in my mind. I remember for months and months and months after I sold that thing, I sold it to buy a cool-looking car that was a piece of junk. I wished a hundred times that I never sold it. But in my wisdom, my own wisdom, it was the right thing to do. How many of you done that? Because we were not content, because we weren't trusting God, because we were doing our own thing, and it just seemed like it made all the sense in the world, and it just come back to bite you. I don't know how many times I've done that in my life. And you'd think I'd learn. You'd think we'd learn. But we're so impatient. Do I love God enough to trust Him? Even with our health. That, that second to last song we sang, I am healed, I am whole, I am blessed. Man, for six months after my heart surgery, I couldn't sing it without crying. God healed. Until you go through something physically difficult like that, it's hard to know how great God is as a healer. 
But then you begin to see how God loves you enough that he just cares for you. And here's the way he does it. Romans 8.29, the next verse that goes with it. We kind of leave this verse off sometimes, but it goes right with it. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. Think about that. God does what he does in your life so that you might be more like his son, Jesus. Those difficult financial situations drive you to your knees to trust him. Those health situations that scare you drive you to your knees to trust him. Those relationship struggles that you have with different folks in your family and outside your family and your friends and coworkers, they only drive you to your knees so that he can work through them. And oftentimes I find in my life, at least maybe you do too, that it's not always their problem, it's my problem. I just couldn't see it. And I can't change another person. How many have tried to change other people? How many have been successful at it? I mean, I, I can't change anyone else. I'd like to try. I mean, sometimes I think somebody was using a good heart slap. But it doesn't work, does it? We, we, we want it to, but it, no. You see, sometimes the biggest chiseling has to come on our own selves. And God is shaping us and chiseling us and, and molding us to be more like his son through those struggles, through those difficult situations. But do I love him enough to trust him to do it? You say, well, I do. Do you? When the rubber meets the road, do you really trust him? Are you still following him? Because I know a lot of people that were once here and five months later they're gone. A year later they're gone. Where'd they go? Oh, somebody got upset with them. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. And the thin skin just came out. Where's the part that drives us to our knees? Where's the part that drives us to his word that doesn't change? Where's the part that says, hey, love thinks no evil, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that what they said was, 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 not, was not what they meant, because love thinks no evil. No, we're too busy thinking about ourselves and, and how the world should revolve around us rather than the world revolving around God. But do we have an attitude of trust? Isaiah 26, 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever. For Yah, the Lord, is an everlasting strength. Just trust the Lord forever. This is not a day by or a, a day one thing. I'm not just going to trust. I, it's a day after day after day after day thing to trust God through every situation that He allows. Am I trusting Him day after day after day? And Isaiah 41:10 says, "Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand." So let me give you two things as we close, this idea of dealing with change. Number one, trust in God's sovereignty. He doesn't make mistakes. Trust in His sovereignty. How do I know that? Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the the Lord's counsel, that will stand. You're going to trust in what God has ordained for you. God may have ordained for you a difficult path. We say, well, God would never do that on purpose. Really? What did he say about Saul on the Damascus Road? He goes, I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. There are times that God says, you're going to have to go through some suffering. This is the only way you're going to learn. This is the only way I can accomplish my will through you. This is the only way that you're going to become like me is through this suffering. Are you going to trust his sovereignty? He says, I have plans. Man has plans. But the Lord's counsel, 
what he's going to do, it's what's going to take place. And number two, learn to rest in his peace. Rest in his peace. When that loved one dies, when that job changes, when your son gets in an accident, when so-and-so is going through a difficult circumstance and they're running from God and they're running from a relationship, rest in God's peace because you can't change people. When will we stop fighting that? I want to change people. I, I do. I, I, I honestly want to change people because I know the, hurt, the heartache and the hurt that they're going to go through if they keep going down this direction. But the reality is I can't change them. So why not trust the one that can? So Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Will you rest in that peace? The peace that only God can give you. The peace that comes from resting and keeping your mind stayed on Christ. That's where it's at. Are you willing to keep your mind on Christ? And Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I don't care what the situation, care what's going on in our lives. I don't care if it's financial, if it's physical, if it's relational, if it's emotional. I don't, I don't care what it is. Here's what God's Word says. Be anxious for the, the big things. God understands this is a big one. Mary, this is the big one. <laughs> you know, you see Sanford and Son. This is the big one. No, even in the big ones. It's not Mary. I forget her name. Martha. Whatever her name was. I don't even know. Elizabeth, there we go. I know, we get it out there. We'll get it eventually. But you know what? Even in the big stuff, even in the little stuff, he says, be anxious for nothing. But in most things, some things, the big things, he says, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Wait a minute. Wait. Oh, why do you have to put that word in there too? We're supposed to do it with thanksgiving? Oh, Lord, I'm supposed to be thankful for this mess I'm in? Yep. That's what he says. Does anyone get the idea that it's sometimes hard walking with Jesus? It's not hard. It's not easy always. But it's what He's called us to, and you can't do it apart from His Holy Spirit working and helping in and through you. You can't. So He says with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Give it to God. These changes that come, I promise you, as big a change that you felt you went through in this last year, this last year might not be anything compared to what God might do this next year. It might not. I don't know. The pastor, you know something? I don't know. Nope. I'm just saying God is a God is going to do what He wants and His counsel is going to stand. I, I just know that God does things that I didn't know. God does things that I didn't choose. God is continuously working. And that may, be, that may mean some huge changes in my life this year. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, wow, I think I'll just have a head-on collision today and die. Nobody does that. Not unless they're sick and demented. I mean, things happen every day that we would not choose. In fact, Proverbs 21 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know. And we don't know when Christ is going to come either. We hope it's near. We say, even so, Lord Jesus, come, right? We want Him to come. But we don't know when. 
But things happen every day that we would not pick, that we would not choose, that God has allowed. Are we going to rest in all these circumstances and say, God, I give them to you. I choose to let you work in and through them. I'm going to let every request that I have just be given to you. God, you know my circumstances better than I know myself. I'm given to you. God, I didn't plan this, but I'm going through it, and I need your help. I can't do it alone. I'm giving it to you. God, this relationship issue with my children, it's tough, it's hard. You know, they're, they're seemingly going rebellious, but God, I'm just giving them to you. They're yours. You should have done that anyway. They're yours. They're God's. Those children aren't yours. They never will be. They're God's. He's entrusted, entrusted them to you to rear them, but they belong to God, right? You can't, even your kids, how many have tried to change your kids? I, I can't. You give them to God. Let God work through them. Because God is the one that's able. And then he says, verse 7, as a result of this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, you want peace through the change? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many want that? That's what I want. I want God's peace to rule in my heart. I want God's peace in every situation, the difficult ones, the hard things, and yes, the easy one thing, easy things too, because I don't want to get to the place where I think I did this apart from God. Oh, this is just a little thing. I got this. God, I don't need you for this one. Even in those, I want to be able to say I trust in God in everything. I don't know about you, but these are a challenge. But we're going to be facing another year of change. I'm excited about it. I really am. This last year was a great year. I, I had no greater joy than to do the Bible studies that I was a part of, to see God you know, save some people and to baptize some people this year. But I hope this last year was nothing compared to this next year. I hope there's some really cool, positive areas of change. But I also have to be honest with myself. There, there's going to be some areas of change that I won't pick. I would dare say just because of statistics, there are going to be people in my sphere of influence that will develop cancer this year. There are going to be some people who will get in a car accident that will change their life. There are going to be some people who will go through a marital or a relational relationship issue. Those are things that happen nonstop year-round. But when they happen... I hope that we can come to the conclusion that God never changes, that His purpose never changes, that His presence never changes, that His Word never changes. So I can rely on those things. And I'm going to have an attitude of contentment and trust no matter what. I'm going to trust His sovereignty. And I'm going to, be, I'm going to trust, rest in His peace. If we can apply these principles through change, we're going to see God do some great things. Amen? Lord, as we come before you, Lord, as we think about these scriptures that you've given to us, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to apply them, Lord. Lord, right now, for many of us, this may just be some good verses. They may be just some challenging verses. But Lord, the, Lord, it's not wisdom until we apply the knowledge of God. It becomes wisdom and we become wise when we apply these things to our daily living. And Lord, I know that there are those in this congregation right now who have gone through already significant changes already this year. And the year has just started. They've lost loved ones. 
Lord, there's job changes. There's circumstances that many people did not choose, and Lord, they're going to be facing a year of change. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us have the right perspective, the right attitude. And Lord, I pray that we might see your hand at work in the midst of it all. Lord, that we can look back six months after the situation or even a month after the situation or a year later and just see how your hand was involved in it all. And Lord, I just pray that you would just prepare our hearts and our minds for the battle ahead. Because God, some days it is a battle. Some days our flesh is so strong and our spirit is so weak. But God, help us to realize the one that wins out is the one that we feed. If we feed our flesh, it will win out. If we feed our spirit, it will win out. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn these things. Just as it said, to learn contentment. Lord, I pray that you'd help us because God, we cannot do that in and of ourselves. It's just way too hard. So Lord, I pray you'd be with each and every one of us that are here this morning, Lord, to be able to apply these things, Lord, in all that we say and do in this life that you've called us to. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as we do each and every week, we have an opportunity to respond to the things that we've heard. Every week, we just have an opportunity to respond. And I'm not embarrassing anyone, not calling anyone out, but you say, Pastor, there's some areas of change that I'm struggling with, and I need to apply these things. Would you just pray for me? Anyone like that this morning? Yes. In the front, in the back, sides, yes. Middle, yes. In the back. Can I just challenge all of us? Many of us have raised our hand and our heart to, to the Lord this morning, and I don't know what area of change God is bringing you through or what He's what he's going to allow in your life, but he does. And you may know something that's going on right now, but whatever it is, just take a moment right here, right now, and just say, God, I give it to you. It says, but everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. In other words, give it to God. Some of you have gone through some change. Give it to God. It's been hard. Give it to God. There's some things you didn't choose. Give it to God. Some things he's allowed. Give it to God. Just whatever that circumstance is, just take a moment and say, God, I give it to you. I ask you to work through it. I don't know about you, but I struggle with trying to do it in my own flesh. I want to. I think I can, but I end up failing. So i got to learn over and over again. Keep giving it to God. He's able. Just take a moment and say, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this without you. Let's all stand to our feet. Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. You know the very things that distract us week after week, day after day. You know the very things that, Lord, take our focus off of you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to refocus, to prioritize, Lord, everything that happens in our life. Lord, knowing that you have a reason, you have a purpose, you have a plan. And Lord, those plans are good plans. You tell us that in Jeremiah 29, 11. Lord, those are good plans for our good. But Lord, we often want to sabotage what you have because we think what we have is better. Lord, help us to learn. Help us to submit. And I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, because we cannot do it. Lord, may your Holy Spirit work in and through us, Lord, to be about what you have for us. So be with each one, Lord, once again, who raised their hand, their heart towards you this morning. Lord, may they sense your presence. May they know that your hand is at work in their lives, Lord, even through the difficult days. And may we all, every last one of us, Lord, in this room this morning, 
be able to biblically respond to change in a way that would bring glory to you. Lord, these things can be big problems in our lives or they can become projects that lead to praise. And I pray, God, they would be just that, that we would view them as a project that you're working on in our lives that we're going to look back and praise you for. So, Lord, be with us. We ask for your help through your spirit. And Lord, we'll praise you for what you're going to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.